0: What makes a great solar business? How can you learn from the past and prepare for the future so your solar business thrives? We set out to answer these questions and more. My name is Nigel Morris and I'm the Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics. Welcome to Great Solar Business, proudly brought to you by SolarJuice. Well, Hello, solar friends, and welcome back for another episode of Great Solar Business. This week, we explore yet more secrets of how to build a great solar business and discuss the topic, the big PV supply crunch. Over almost three decades in the solar industry, I've seen our industry lurch from oversupply to undersupply many times. I've seen prices suddenly jump due to international supply issues, foreign exchange rates and rebate price changes. And when I worked for a module supplier, I personally had to contact my customers and say, I'm sorry, I can only give you a quarter of the volume you wanted and the price is going up. It's no fun at all, but it's part of life in a major industry. Right now, Australia is facing a huge PV supply crunch, potentially with quite serious consequences and covers not only solar panels, but also isolators, inverters, racking and other things and stories abound about installation labour shortages and even a shortage of system inspectors. So what can solar businesses do to survive these challenges? What are they being caused by? How can you minimise your risk? To answer these questions, I reached out to Rami Fedder from Solar Juice, not because he's a sponsor, although we're very, very grateful, but because he's arguably one of the best connected people in Australia when it comes to the PV supply chain. Rami, welcome to Great Solar Business. Thanks for having me, Nigel. Great to be here. Good on you, mate. So listen, just uh, as I do in every episode, to kick off, for those who don't know you, um, give give us a brief history, mate. Where did you... I know the story, but it's such a great story about how you first came to solar. And so give us a brief story of how you got to where you are today.
1: Okay. I actually start even prior to my first day working in solar. Um, I actually work, first worked in, walked into a solar factory possibly around 1994 um, when I was in year 10. And I was looking at, um, yeah, because growing up with a single parent, I wanted to earn an income. And I walked in for a job um, because I had some other guys that were living um, close to where I was living. And the, the, the factory was actually based in Villawood which that's where I was born and raised in my earlier years. And during the interview, the first thing um, the plant manager said was, finish year 12, and then um, once you've done that, I will consider you for a role. But first, finish your studies. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I finished my studies, first day, um, once I got the high school certificate, I walked in again. And he gave me that job right away. Um But unfortunately, it was as a process worker. Yeah. But um, concurrently, I was studying at the same time. I was studying accounting. So that was quite hard because I was um, working full-time, studying full-time. So I worked in the factory for probably close to two years. Then an opportunity opened up as a um, production assistant in the office and also as a purchasing assistant, which... At Solarx, I think I worked in that role for close to um, probably a year or so. Then the merger happened between BP Solar. And then I moved into a role as a production planner, then went through a number of roles there, um, um, eventually joined the global um, task force team where BP was um, had a, funny enough, a shortage of raw materials. <laughs> so, <laughs> Polysilicon prices, you know, moved from $30 to $500 and yeah, everything else just skyrocketed. So there was a shortfall of um, wafers and cells. So I was part of a very few globally to help source those raw materials. And um, uh, quickly, I think I was, don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I was probably the only person who was able to source any material and put together some or help start or uh, ignite some really big deals externally for BP. Um, in 2007, I resigned from um, that role and started my own um, trading company where I was um, sourcing yeah, all different types of upstream material and supplying them to um, a variety of um, manufacturing facilities, not, not just in China, but also in Europe where I was supplying them with wafers, solar cells, um, polysilicon, and even silicon scraps, even broken wafers, because um, the raw material price was so high, um, anything that contained um, that silicon material that was pure enough to produce solar wafers, um, yeah, it was worth uh, a squillion. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that comes to... Yeah, where today I'm, you know, I'm at Solar Juice. We started Solar Juice in 2009. Um, myself and Andrew started the company. I mean, which was a good fit because you know I specialise always on that supply side, uh, on the procurement, and Andrew was more on the commercial and sales. So it was a really good fit. And quickly, uh, we became yeah um, one of the largest wholesalers uh, within the first two years. And to date, we, we, we're still in the top three. And we're not really focused on purely just volume, where our initial ambitions was to be the largest. Now, we're all about providing the best um, product range, um, but at the same time, keeping it very limited. So a bit more um, quality focus. And at the, at the end of the day, we want to be profitable. So we can we can be training for many, many years to come.
0: What a great story, Rami. And I, I, I love that story. I've heard it many times before. And, you know, I think it's a great intro to this episode because you you started out in what was a, a pretty basic, pretty rudimentary PV manufacturing facility out there at Villawood. I, I, I went out there a few times myself and, you know, you learned through the school of hard knocks what it's like to actually make a solar panel and then buy the gear. And then over the years. As you, as you explained, your expertise on procurement has, uh, has led you to where you are now. So so good on you, mate. That's a great story. And I always love hearing it. Uh, it never, never gets old. Let's get down to it, though, mate, because uh, the socials are on fire with stories of a big supply crunch looming. I was on a call yesterday with... Um, Six quite substantial PV companies who were all telling stories about um, the potential impacts that it's going to have. Um, surely, um, you know, and I'm being a bit facetious here, but surely, uh, as some people have suggested, this is just an artificial issue created by wholesalers like you. So you can make more money by gouging the market, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I wish we did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we we know that's not but, the truth. Yeah. Uh, so what's what's going on out there, mate? Tell so, us what's happening.
1: Mate, I mean, I don't have to give much background. I mean, anybody can who can turn on a TV or um, punch in a Google search, because it's not just this. It, not um, this. This um, whatever has happened. It's not just the solar industry that's been impacted. It's yeah. any industry that imports out of China. So. I'm hearing two different stories, but it some people are saying it's you know it's driven by um, the emissions targets that, that they want to meet, right. and some people are saying they don't have enough um, raw material to power up these power stations. So, right. um, at the end of the day, that's that's the, that's the impact is they've turned they've um, ordered anyone who consumes a lot of energy to shut down the facilities. Or number one is they increase the the holidays. I think it was initially a one-week holiday, which turned into two weeks. Yep. And once they've come back, they've said no, sorry, you can't turn on your power completely. You can, you know, partially ramp it up. So I think they've been back for now over two weeks from China. And what I'm hearing, as of late last week, um, at most, they're around between fifty to sixty percent at capacity at the moment. Wow. So. The, the the
0: the one of the core causes of all of this then is is simply that non availability of power. We don't know why it's driven, but but that but they're literally turned the power off to a whole bunch of PV plants. And has this has this affected everybody in the PV manufacturing industry in China, Rami?
1: Yes, yes. So starting from yeah the first upstream as possible, which is the po- producing polysilicon. So just to give you a flavour, I've actually done some homework for this. Um, and this, these are the latest facts and figures. So I'm pretty sure um, these are uh, right on the money. So earlier this year in January, you could buy yep. polysilicon at $13 USD per kilo. But today, it's at 37 yep. So that's a 185% wow. price increase.
0: Wow, just on the on yes, the so raw that's material.
1: just at the polysilicon level. Then... Moving up, um, as you know, I mean, poly- if you look at the polysilicon in terms of the ratio dollar per watt impact, it's pro- it's to a lesser degree versus as you move up, you know, to a wafer and solar cell. So, for so-, mm. so solar wafers from fifty one cents a piece today, it's at eighty nine cents. That's a seventy five percent increase. Whoa. And and the thing is, you have to keep keep in mind, you know, as time goes on, those price increases for the upstream material, it, fl- it takes time to, f- to flow further um, downstream.
0: Of course, of course. Yeah.
1: Solar cells in April, they were $0.12 cents a watt. Um, today, they're at $0.17 cents, um, USD per watt. And just to give some more commentary there, these, these prices are not landed in Australia because um, that's another factor which will come down to with freight is adding a lot of um, um, costs as well. Right. right. Uh, so so these are these are factory
0: gate prices at, yeah, at the so manufacturer level. Right. So
1: these are you know yep. they're all based in China. So it's just in transit costs yep. versus putting them on the vessel into Australia, and and just and to levelize everything so people can sort of have it in their mind what, what sort of increases in terms of panels. So based on in Australia, if someone had stock in Australia, um, so it's FIS to to our warehouse. Um, the cost has gone up twenty percent. Yep. Purely, purely on the freight cost. No, no, that's purely. just oh, the raw material cost. No, no, that's that, So just to levelise it in terms of what we were paying before to our factory door, sorry, yep. to our warehouse door. Yep. Um, what we were paying, and this is not from January, right? This is based on prior to this um polish outage. Ah. This is what because what's happened was, um, we we had. I know our customers are a bit upset um, that if they didn't have their orders in um, placed on us, um, all of a sudden our prices move. So any new orders, um, so we've we've honoured existing orders, but any new orders, we've increased our pricing um, massively. Yeah. That's you're going to buy. You're to pass through
0: the cost increase, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And another the thing is when we we have to, we have to also honour our existing orders. Where in some cases we don't have the stock, yeah. But what the manufacturers have done is, you know, we've, we've in some in some cases, or not some cases, most of our suppliers, we have at least you know twenty containers on back order, and some in some cases we had above fifty. That um, overnight, they said, "Sorry, guys, those um, purchase orders all ripped up. Oof. Those contracts are ripped up. Um, we can no longer." offer of that pricing and on top of that we can't tell you exactly when you're going to get that stock oh
0: so we'll come back to the delays because that's yeah. that's a related issue but mm. uh but another issue um so we've got raw materials right from the polysilicon uh up to uh, the cell and the wafer level i i also uh, read online that even other raw materials like uh, glass and the um, plastics that are used for assembly, and even the aluminium frames, they're all affected by this too, right?
1: 100%. As I said earlier, it's anything out of China, pricing has come up. Yep. So, um, and one thing I haven't touched on was freight. Um, just to tell you that, and freight has been an issue for at least um, since COVID started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: one example is in 2019, to bring an empty container, so forget about what's in it. This is um, just bringing the container into Australia would cost, from Shanghai to Australia, around $900. Yep. Today, it's $13,000. Wow. That's a a 1,300% price increase. Holy Moses. And to turn that into a dollar per watt USD, yeah, previously it would cost 0.3 of a cent. Today yeah. it's adding to the panel price 4.3 cents per watt. Wow,
0: wow! It's just like a stack of impacts, isn't it? Raw yeah. materials, freight, um, delays. Then,
1: um, as a wholesaler, we have to balance also or take on the risk of the Australian dollar as well. Of course. So, I mean, as you know, last year it was it was in the 80s. Um, You know, it got as low as, I think, earlier last month, down to 71. Um, Luckily, I mean, it's it's providing some relief. You know, Mm -hmm. today it's 74. Mm -hmm. So, to to be in all honesty, um, the only thing where I can see would improve this year, would soften the blow, would be if the Australian dollar skyrocketed.
0: Right.
1: Well, I mean, that's a bit of a gamble. So, um, I find that... um, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to. Um, the reality is, pricing isn't going to come down.
0: Right, right. Anytime soon. Right. So it's a, it's been just In a short a per- term anyway. Yeah. yeah, it's been a perfect, or should I say, imperfect storm of of all these consequences, and and of course, uh, raw materials, supply, freight costs, foreign exchange. All those things are all stacking up together, and of course. The flow-on impact of all of this, which which we're probably not even seeing in the pricing yet, is when a factory was previously running at you know 90 or 95 percent capacity, and now it's running at 40 or 50 percent capacity. That means their overhead goes through the roof as well, and that'll probably take a, a, a while to flush through. So I yeah I'm I'm yeah, with you. That,
1: that coupled with raw material prices, raw material in, uh, increases 100 percent. Yeah, and and um just want to add as well. Um just to give um up some to your earlier question, are we price gouging? So on top of whatever's happened recently, um when COVID hit what was it around April yep. in, in Sydney? April, May? Yep. Um or maybe a bit later. Um so at that time, you know, um late last year. Even January, February, it was so, so busy, right? Um, so manufacturers, not only wholesalers, uh, we we're, were quite conservative, but some other wholesalers were ramping up um, incoming supply. And manufacturers who warehouse wh- for, for some of these wholesalers, even some of our manufacturers um, warehouse some stock to, as, as some buffer. Yep. And, and, and basically all the warehouses were ballooning once this COVID hit. And what that meant was um, wholesalers became a lot more aggressive. Everybody, I don't like to use the word, but many were undercutting. Um, just to give an example, um, you know, in some cases, um, you know, pro- even with the pricing from manufacturers was quite aggressive, you know, wholesalers was to even move the product, had to sell at a loss. Wow. That, wow. that was happening. I mean, in some cases, some of the brands that we were carrying, we didn't make a single dollar probably for March. You know, yeah, cost, even at, even at a loss. So once the s- supply demand sort of flipped um, and all of a sudden su- um, demand was outstripping supply, um, there was obviously no need for wholesalers to, you know, basically... Uh, Probably, figure of speeches drop their pants to make a sale. Sure, you know we're happy. We're we're in a position to actually start um, getting um, customers used to where pricing is supposed to be. Yeah, and, you know where wholesalers for us to be sustainable, we need to be making money. You know, at the end of the day, you know, there's fs, there's FX risk, there's all types of risk. There's warranty yeah. um, that we have to honor in the you know in the future years, which we've been honoring over many years since we started yeah so we ha- that was a good time for us to reposition our pricing and why should you sell at cost when there's no need to sell at cost you know and to be honest and this is another issue with a with the Australian market and we in terms of manufacturers mm. in times of um, where there's a a shortage globally So, Australia is just, uh, you know, dropping the ocean when it comes to solar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've always been a small market, which doesn't help us, right? And very, very low price too.
1: Yeah. And and it was quite an easy target where, you know, other um, markets, you know, there's, you know, um, anti-dumping and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And also bankability as well, where previously, I mean, until until recently, there was a lot of no-name brands in, in Australia. Um, so Australia was an easy target when things were in, in surplus in terms of supply. But yes. when there's a shortage, because we're so um, aggressive on price in terms of, you know, we whatever price we were given, we try to, you know, squeeze them down. Yep. Because um, the reason market is quite competitive in Australia. Um, other markets such a, such as Japan, Europe, they can pay a lot more than us.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so, that, makes it, that, that makes it even worse, doesn't it? Because you go from, yeah. you know, oversupply to undersupply, and then you have price rises and raw material, material. So it's this, it's, it's this stack again, right? And so then, and I can remember this happening in the good old days when you and I used to work together at BP Solar when, <laughs> you know, you'd have this impact and everyone else around the world would say, well, what are you sending it to Australia for? You know, you, you can't get the good price there. And so you'd go from bad to worse because they'd suddenly say, right, I'm pulling all the supply out of the market. So we've got that going on at the same time now as well then.
1: Yeah. uh, And it's only if a a manufacturing brand actually sees Australia as a strategic sort of market. Right, right. You know, where they've probably spent quite a bit of money on marketing yeah. You know, they've got a decent sized team in Australia. Yeah, you know, Some the local brand, team. brand
0: loyalty starting to bite yeah. there. It yeah. just, so, so, I mean, let's explore that for a minute. I mean, how, yeah. from your perspective, mate, you know. Um, is there, a, is there a lesson here? You know, I mean, we, we've, we've got another episode coming up where we talk about relationships in business and, and the loyalty um, uh, aspect of doing uh, great solar business where, you know, being loyal to your wholesaler and riding through these ups and downs and likewise right up the chain to these PV manufacturers, you know, are they looking after us, Rami? Are they doing the right thing in the market?
1: Look, I think um, the local ast- um, Australian teams for most of these manufacturers are lobbying very hard. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, um, when the market sort of dictates, the you know, this is where the price needs to be and there's other markets willing to pay much higher, yep. that's at the end of the day in times of shortages, we're, we're going to cop basically if there's a, for example, like right now we're hearing there's a 50% um you know, the factories are running at fifty percent at the moment. That doesn't mean Australia will get fifty percent of the you know of the allocation. Right, right. But, you know, previous, previous, if we were getting hundred, we won't be getting we won't be getting fifty. We'll probably be getting twenty five to thirty. Right. Wow. That slice of the cake because the likes of Japan will probably get you know um, where traditionally yeah instead of getting fifty percent of whatever they'll get in, they'll probably get ninety percent.
0: Right, I hear you. I hear you because of the, the price.
1: Know, a, most of these companies are public companies. You know, they're, they're answering to, to shareholders, of and obviously they want to get the best bang for the buck. Yeah, that's the reality. Of so of whenever I'm told, Rami, this is the new pricing, I don't say, "Oh, can you reduce it by you know half a cent or point 0.2. I'll just in this time, in, in this sort of climate, I'll just grab whatever I can at whatever <laughs> price they ask for because I know for a fact. I'll give you an example, Nigel. Just last week, right? I got a, an email from from one of our key manufacturers yeah this example is not just for them it's for every most most of the um, big companies out of China so we, they said okay this, this was the first day back from the holidays this is the new pricing okay for October production and November production yep that same afternoon they said have you um, have you placed the order yet because the price is going to increase. Um, by a cent a what, tomorrow. Wow. So we're not getting priceless by, traditionally, we're getting priceless by the quarter for manufacturers. Yeah. Then, you know, it was by the month. Now it's by, by the, the day. day.
0: <laughs> Holy Moses.
1: It's not you... muck around. I mean, if you want, the, look, people can kick and scream and, and I'm one of those guys who's kicking and screaming about the price. I agree, but now's not the time. It's all about, can I get product?
0: Can you get product? Of course, of course, product? of course, of course. We have got to watch the time, Rami. This is a good yeah. conversation, so it's yeah, going to be sure. a, it's going to be a long episode, listeners. But it's such an important issue, and there, there's so much to talk about. But I want to I want to touch on a couple of other key issues around here. Sure. So, um, so quickly, we we're uh, we've got a solar isolated debacle out there which is causing problems for installers already what about inverters i'm hearing on the grapevine that the uh the chip shortages that um we've talked about on great solar business and on solar insiders previously that are affecting the automotive industry and starting to flow down what are you hearing around inverters are we likely to see impacts flowing into that space as well
1: Okay. Thank God you didn't ask me anything about isolators because we don't import isolators. <laughs> You're out <laughs> but, of that mess. <laughs> but um solar inverters. Um, so before addressing that question, um, I'll be more concerned about if there's not enough solar panels, mm. there'll be too many solar inverters. So uh, look, whether or not manufacturers increase it, for example, if they're not made already, um i don't think we'll see them this year so if there are any price increases um you'll probably see it sort of flow through in q1 next year okay. my opinion, because um in terms of inverters you know we're pretty well stocked across the the big brands you know we've got a lot of purchase orders and so far we haven't been told you know these purchase orders don't exist okay and the manufacturer inverters um that in terms of um, if you go to many of these factories in China it's it's a lot it's more about assembly versus um, you know compared to visiting a cell production line where it's in you know, a massive machinery you know or, or you know not many people just just machines operating got it where yeah inverters is a bit more labor intensive versus machine intensive yep. unless they're you know printing their own boards Yep. But yet, I, I've heard about the, those chip shortages. We have, um, it has impacted one of our key European manufacturers in terms of releasing some of their models, where it's caused a delay. Yep. Um, and some of my Southeast Asian contacts and overseas contacts have told me that they've received some price increases with some of their um, inverter manufacturers, but that's more, they're more uh, price-driven inverter brands. Right. Where some of the ones that we deal with, or the only one that we'd really deal with, is is Sungrow out of China. And my guess is they've got enough probably meat there to absorb that price increase for this year. Mm-hmm. But obviously, the, there's only so much they can probably take on. So, we, yeah, yeah the brands that we carry, um, we won't be affected probably until next year. And I don't think it's the right time for inverter manufacturers to increase price because. Um, there's enough pain. There's yeah. enough pain,
0: right?
1: <laughs> Not really. As I said, there's more likely to be an oversupply of inverters. So okay, of course, of course. You wouldn't want to, um, yeah, increase the price when that's happening.
0: Yeah. So, so we, we, um, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't even want to take a break. We'll take a break in a second. We've got to really watch the time because we're running out yeah. quickly. Tell yeah. me what this means for the last quarter of this year. Are there going to be enough solar panels? for everyone to do all the installs that we would normally do in the final quarter of the year? Or are we going to run short? What's your view?
1: Yeah, this, the um, scary thing is, look, I don't want to be fear-monger, but traditionally November has been the biggest biggest month of the year. I mean, yeah. for solid use anyway. My yeah. guess is for the whole industry. Yep, yep. <laughs> Out of coincidence, the gap that I, that I see based on... What's in stock? What's coming in? It's November. And it could could possibly be the majority of November. I'm not saying completely out, but there's going to be. It's going to crunch. Definitely. Definitely. Wow. Wow. And look, I know
0: you've got really good relationships with other wholesalers around the market as well. And presumably they're all in the same boat. Everyone's in pretty much the same boat. Some will have a bit more of this or a bit more of that or whatever, but everyone's in the same
1: boat, right? Because it's all back to China. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're slightly diversified where we've got, um, you know, REC, you know, they're not made in China, but at the end of the day, their sales... I'm not sure about their cells, but their wafers are most likely from China, sure. sure. Um, or you know the polysilicon is at the end the of the day. Polysilicon comes. From they, they, I believe they are fully integrated. I haven't been there for quite some years, Because yep. um, of COVID, <laughs> um, yeah. So, but at the at the end of the day, it's whoever has stock in Australia. If 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 they're not in stock right now, the panels, and they're not in transit, don't expect them to, to arrive um, early November they expect them to arrive mid-November. Wow. Because even though these factories are being turned on, even though some manufacturers had some stock um, on their shelves, which most likely most of them didn't come to Australia, but just say they did. The other big hurdle we have is, is freight because the same thing. It's not just, you know, solar panels stop going on vessels. So you can just imagine as soon as, factories are turned back on. Everything, be, you know, wants to go on that same vessel, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Of day, it's fueled by Christmas, you know. Christmas oh, right. of course. So, you know, <laughs> Mate, just look the latest stats I got for my freight forwarder, forwarding agent. So traditionally, vessels to depart and arrive on time is the run rate is usually around above eighty percent. Okay. Yep. As of today, where did I write this down? Mate, it's quite scary. Um, he, he, what he's saying is, that the percentage of departing and arriving on time is twelve percent. Oh, so and that's, and that's not exaggerated. They're, they're facts, right? Wow. So, wow. so whatever lead time you're given by the manufacturer, I'm like comfortable until I see it's on the vessel. But then there's there's local congestion at the Sydney port as well, right? Yeah. And. And you don't know what happens if there's a. And what's causing these are, it's not just congestion, but it's also whenever you know there's a COVID outbreak on one of the terminals. Right. It blows things right down.
0: Right, 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 right. Um, oh my goodness! If it, if it was a layer cake, it it'd be a rainbow layer cake with. Uh, with <laughs> so the some... only thing
1: that's, that's going our that way is the Australian dollar. Yeah. Uh, you know, recently moved from seventy-one cents to seventy-four cents. So if a movement can happen, you know, if we can hit parity with the U.S. dollar. you know, maybe module prices will start coming down quite a bit. But, yeah, I don't like those odds at the moment. a long
0: way to go. Good grief. All right. Well, look, um, we're going to take a break um, uh, just to have a breather, give everyone a chance to, uh, you know, freshen up their drink uh, and hear a message from our sponsors.
2: Solar Juice is Australia's leading solar distributor providing complete residential and commercial rooftop solar component solutions. SolarJuice aligns themselves with brands that share their values of service, support, quality and value for money, like their panel brands, REC, Hyundai, Trina and Longi, their inverters, SMA, Fronius and Sungrow, along with the Tesla Powerwall battery. Check out solarjuice.com.au and let SolarJuice help you become a great solar business. Great Solar Business is also brought to you by Solar Analytics. Get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights with solaranalytics.com.au.
0: All right um thank you of course to Solar juice and to you Rami for supporting this podcast it's been uh, our pleasure and honor to um to have your support and to have you on the show finally and a perfect topic to to talk about but I want to switch gears a little bit now um just to wrap the show up and and start thinking about the future um because you know we, we we've got a good sense now of what's going on um, right now and perhaps in the run-up to Christmas but but let's let's share shift gears a little bit and just think about this in the context of, you know, building a business over time and we'll get through this. You and I have both been on the solar coaster for many decades and we've seen this before. We've been here before. We know it will pass. And it's a matter of managing your way through it. And And we've seen these supply crunches. So, you know, what's, what's the number one tip that you would give a solar business in how to how to prepare for this kind of thing. What can they do when they're thinking a, a, about building a solar business to insulate and, and minimise themselves from this type of risk?
1: Okay. Um, look, I've thought about this a few times, where I see two types of um, retailers slash installers. There's one type that wants to take ownership of the, not only the, the sales part of the business, but also the sourcing part. So they're, you know, they're ordering their own panels, and to a degree, maybe they very few can probably source their own in, inverters. You know, some source, source their own own um, racking. Yep. And the other side of the spectrum, you've got guys that buy purely from from wholesalers. Yep. But they they don't um, place you know forward orders with with the wholesalers. Um, a lot of them expect, I mean, I'm not saying this is wrong, but a lot of them expect, you know, the wholesaler to have it on the shelf, which is great. Yeah. But in times like this, if you did have those forward orders in, um, you know, if 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 the wholesaler does it right by you, they'll honor those purchase orders, right? right. And and your, your stock will be secured, you know, for, throughout this, you know, massive turbulent time that we're in at the moment.
0: Right. Um, and, this, and
1: this is something that I've heard about and, mm-hmm. and, and experienced firsthand
0: for, for decades and particularly when I was in the supply chain like you are now, mm-hmm. that, you know, that that um, visibility gives you as a wholesaler the, the, the visibility that you need to then feel confident to place your big orders, to secure pricing, to secure mm-hmm. stock, all those kinds of things have a flow on effect. And it means for, you know, Joe Solar installs, if he's if he's gone down that uh, that route of being more organised and 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 forecasting, then he's going to get what he needs as well, rather than just rocking up on the day and saying, "Hey, I need three systems." So the lesson that you're telling me here, right? If I, if if I'm if I'm reading you right, is you know that that partnership and that ability to work together and think ahead, rather than just on a daily basis, is a valuable thing for a solar business to have.
1: Yeah and I think the you know the Goldilocks is is the right way to go you know maybe you know on both sides of the spectrum is to be right in the middle because at the end of the day in, in my mind I mean that's our purpose right of, of the wholesale business is is servicing um, with the right stock at the right time for for our um, for 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 the installers and retailers of course but we just need the instead of just guessing what people want it would be great for for them to sort of identify what products and what quantities they need and, yeah. and when. Um, yeah. And in, in my opinion, it's, not, uh, <laughs> it's um, you know, for the guys who are bringing their stuff themselves, um, I just feel that it makes more sense in spending more time in making more sales or um, providing better service for the customer rather than, you know, wasting, not wasting, but now, I mean, for example, in the wholesalers, our, our margins are, are are becoming sometimes very, very razor thin. Yeah. So I'm not sure what um, gain there is where where some 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 people are taken upon themselves to dealing with these manufacturers. Especially, mm-hmm. look, if it's based in Australia, it's, I, I get it. But when you're buying in US dollars, you know, there's this currency risk, there's warehousing overheads, there's all mm-hmm. these types of things. Where there's, um, you know, the likes of Solo Juice and many other good wholesalers out there, who have those the infrastructure in place. Um, and as I said, I mean, uh, the only reason we're, why we're in business is because of the volume we're, we're sort of bringing in and turning over. Yep. Because if it was purely because of profit margin, it's, it's razor thin. Yep. So I'm not sure if there's much money to be saved there. Yeah. But to make a life a lot easier. It, you know, it, it helps them enormously if people give us some visibility of. Of what stock they need and and as to when they actually need it,
0: yeah, good luck with that mate i know it 's a battle it 's a battle that 's been going on for years, but I can remember you know when uh, when China first started uh, really opening up its manufacturing to Australia, and everyone suddenly started buying direct, and there was a huge shift I remember charting it and monitoring it very very closely and looking at everyone was saying oh why would we? we don't need wholesalers anymore we'll just buy direct it's easy look I can buy direct from this factory and of course then over time what seems pretty easy and pretty simple and pretty risk-free turned into a nightmare and it killed a whole lot of businesses because foreign exchange hit supply and demand uh, issues came into play uh, prices went up and down and then of course as the importer you're left holding the bag for the warranty so you know it really um I was going to title this uh this episode actually you know a wholesalers just here to rip you off or do they actually add value but but you've you've outlined the complexity and why a wholesaler exists because you have an expertise in actually managing all this stuff and years and years of experience and relationships um so it's it's really something to 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 think about and in these types of events it's where I think a Uh, a wholesale, um, Businesses, our wholesale solar businesses really, really add value because they know how to handle this stuff and can ride through the tough times. But Rami, we're nearly out of time. I've got one final question to just try and wrap it all up. Sure. Thinking about the next year or so, and you can be as controversial as you like here. It can be from left wing or, or out of left field or wherever you want to come from. But what's your crystal ball telling you? If, you? if you're sitting there talking to someone who owns a solar business and he says, Rami, what should I be thinking about? a year out from now, and, and you might, you know, you might consider the current supply and demand uh, uh, thing as a lesson for them, but what's your crystal ball telling you uh, that solar businesses should be thinking about over the next year or so?
1: Uh, the first thing is just to, the first part of wrapping up is to just to tie it in with the, the first topic. Um, with, with pricing, um, you know, when, when, it, when, when will it start settling down or or. Or could it go back to where it was, you know, just last month? Yep. I think things will stay as they are up until probably, um, you know, probably around Chinese New Year or when they Mm -hmm. return back from Chinese New Year. Um, hopefully by then, um, which is uh, February next year, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's right. February. Yep. Yep. Um, hopefully by then, you know, there's two things, right? There's the freight. You saw it's eating to four cents or what now? where before was sub one cents and manufacturing should be definitely at full capacity and the ramp and also the surplus stock would have built up again where, you know, the supply demand, you know, would be a lot more balanced and Australia will be getting its fair share as to what it was
0: before. Right. So prices are going to stay. Your prediction is they'll probably stay where they are at least until February next year. And that's assuming everything settles down nicely. Yeah.
1: It's either stay where they are or, or keep going up, up until. Right,
0: right. So it could still go I up. Wow.
1: Decline, look, nothing will come down until until then. That's just right. my opinion. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And what, what
0: was the actual question? Sorry, mate. <laughs> it was your controversial prediction. That's a pretty good one. Prices <laughs> are staying high until February. Have you got another one for us? What do you think uh, businesses should be thinking about for next year? So they've, they've got to deal with those price rises. Of course, we're going to have a rebate drop between now and then as well. So, you know, there's going to be a, a, a little price rise. So, you know, what, um, what can solar businesses do to, to
1: manage this, Ram? Look, probably um, next year, hopefully these, um, these battery incentives, some of them come into play. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one part of upside that, um, I can see for the Australian market, not yep. just for next year, but for many years to come, yep. because it's not just new systems. It's, it's all about these existing systems, existing systems where, you know, the retailers and the stores can, can call back, you know, the legacy customers, you know, yep. and, you know, do you want fries of that? Do you want a storage system of that? Oh, yep. by the way, do you want to add some more panels yep. or, um, you know, um, it doesn't make economical sense to rip them them off and put a bigger system with a new battery. I don't know. I'm not not specialised in that field, but that's where one upside. The other one is, you know, um, we've had a lot more electric um, charging companies approach us for Uh residential chargers. Uh And a lot of the Teslas now, they're sold without um, any charging stations. So um, that's different versus when I bought mine. So um, that's another upside as well where it's a bit complimentary. I've, I mean, I had my solar installer install my charging station. So that's something that complements, I believe, solar. Um, definitely,
0: definitely. Yeah. That, that uh, The whole EV space, we're all waiting with bated breath and it's it's starting to grow, but I'm with you, mate. And And for what it's worth, every time I ask solar installers, and survey them on uh, what they think is coming next. It's it's inevitably the same story. It's batteries and electric vehicles and smarts. That's but
1: just just keep in mind, Nigel. Uh, my specialty is sourcing and on the more on the supply side, not on the commercial side. Sure. So if you want to ask me, what, you know, maybe what panels um, are going to rule, what footprint, you know, where's things, where's which technology, um, maybe that's a, maybe that's a good um, question for the next show.
0: That's, I couldn't agree more, mate I couldn't agree more mate it's um it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and uh and hearing um you know the wisdom that you've got from all those years in the supply chain mate, but sadly, we're out of time. Thanks so much for
1: joining us, Rami thanks, Nigel and this was my first interview one on one. <laughs> All right, that's that's a scoop then i love a scoop well friends that's a
0: wrap my name is nigel morrison i'm head of business development at solar analytics i hope you picked up some tips and tricks on how to build a great solar business and i look forward to speaking to you again
2: soon great solar business was brought to you by solar juice australia's leading solar distributor SolarJuice aligns themselves with brands that share their values of service, support, quality and value for money. Check out solarjuice.com.au and let SolarJuice help you become a great solar business. Great Solar Business was also brought to you by Solar Analytics. Get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights with Solar Analytics.